0: Father, we do pray that as we put our attention on Christ, we would see that uh, that is truly transforming and wondrous, and it's encouraging, and we pray that our eyes may be there today, uh, both in word and sacrament, and as we hear a message about word and sacrament, that you would be, along with your Son and Spirit, exalted in this hour and that because Lord, this is where our glory belongs. May Your Spirit be so at work in us, so that we may find not only now but always that our focus and our attention would be upon and our rest would be found in Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. So we're taking a moment to read from Acts 13, verses 13 to 33, and also looking at the Heidelberg Catechism this morning as we continue our confessional preaching. From that portion of one of our confessional standards. And that being Lord's Day 25 in particular, we're looking at. We get into the sacraments, which is somewhat appropriate since we last week saw baptism. This week we received the Lord's Supper. And uh, of course, from week to week, we look at the word and have it ministered to us. And that's also part of the subject of Heidelberg Catechism, Word 2.5. But we're going to look at Acts 13 to start with, verse 13, starting there and reading to verse 33. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia, And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. They went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took, took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. When he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. This man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, are now his witnesses to the people, we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. Also it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. So we'll stop our reading there, and from the Word of God, we we'll take a moment to respond to it from the 25th Lord's Day, page 32 in the back of the blue hymnal, where the questions that are there for us have these answers along with them. You confess that by faith alone, you share in Christ and all his blessings, where does that faith come from? The Holy Spirit produces it in our heart by the preaching of the Holy Gospel and confirms it through our use of the holy sacraments. What are sacraments? Sacraments are holy signs and seals for us to see. They were instituted by God so that by our use of them, he might make us understand more clearly the promise of the gospel and might put his seal on that promise. And this is God's gospel promise, to forgive our sins and give us eternal life by grace alone because of Christ's one sacrifice finished on the cross. Question 67 Are both the Word and the sacraments then intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? Right. In the Gospel, the Holy Spirit teaches us, and through the Holy Sacraments, He assures us that our entire salvation rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross. And then question 68 asks how many sacraments did Christ institute in the New Testament? Two: baptism and the Lord's Supper. May indeed God's word be of a blessing to us this morning, the congregation of our Jesus Christ, uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ. When when we're driving down the road, particularly if we're we're going on some long trip somewhere, and you're on the interstates and that sort of thing and you visit various states and communities, you often find that as you approach towns and, and cities that they like to try to bring to your attention their various attractions. And it, it might be museums, it might be amusement parks, it might be restaurants, it might be some kind of shopping area, special place to lodge, but of course all of these sites are supposed to, to draw us like a, a magnet their communities because they have something to offer that's very appealing. Today, the modern church seeks to be an attraction, and people are attracted to churches for various reasons, undoubtedly so. Sometimes it can be because of, of the spectacle that can be viewed, a drama, a skit, play, a video, a movie, uh, a miracle, a dance processional, a very talented performance, artistic images, sculptures, I've even seen fireworks shot, shot, uh, or heard of fireworks being shot out, uh, or shot off, indoors. Uh, I guess that's uh, pyrotechnics, I guess they call that, sometimes what attracts is the famous names that get called to spend time at a particular church, and that's a big draw, or simply a a famous person who's pastor of a particular church. Sometimes it's, it's friends and family that attract us, or maybe the kind of coffee you can buy, or, or the incense that happens to be burning. Now, it's not that a church shouldn't be attractive. And one can understand, obviously, why family and friends can make a level of difference in choosing a church if everything else is equal. But the question that needs to be asked, first of all, of course, is what should primarily be attracting us to a church home? And what the Reformed Church has confessed over the years is that what God uses to produce and encourage faith in the lives of people should attract us. What God uses to produce and encourage faith. And that should be the attraction unto salvation and and the increasingly sanctified praise of God in Jesus Christ, certainly from Lord's Day to Lord's Day, but then every day in all of life. And God uses, we confess especially to me, the, the preaching of the Holy Gospel and the Holy Sacrament. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the Word of God. God is changing lives by way of the ministry of his word, and encouraging those lives by the sacraments that believers receive. Now churches may be older buildings, or they may be modern buildings. You may not recognize certain buildings as churches anymore because of their modernity. Uh, They may have a few people in them, or they may have a lot of people in them. Uh, They may have your relatives in them or your friends, or they might not. But what should attract us to a church first is that there are places where the good news of Jesus Christ will be preached and where we could even invite others to, to come who don't know the Lord because we believe that preaching the Holy Gospel changes people by God's grace like it encourages those who have been changed unto salvation already by God's grace. It's also a place where when I receive the sacraments like we do this morning in faith, I can also know the kind of spiritual strengthening that I need. So in both the Word and the sacraments, what we find is that the focus, as we confess, as we hear in this passage that we read as well, the focus is on Christ who saves, who saves me and graciously gives me all that I need, the very focus that I need when I'm worshiping and when I'm living. So we're going to focus a moment this morning on the means of grace that the Spirit of God uses to change lives and build them up spiritually. The preaching of the Holy Gospel and the use of the Holy Sacrament. And we want to look at the beneficial differences on the one hand, but also then the essential similarities that make them also so blessed for our lives in Christ. So first of all, the beneficial differences between the two means. Uh, The language that the Catechism used to, to talk about the differences between the Word and the Sacrament was was especially an important distinction in the days of the Reformation. But there are also very important distinctions that we have today because whether we were living in the times of Christ or we were living in the times of the Old Testament or we were living in the times of the Reformation or we're living today, it doesn't matter. Like Thomas of old, we all tend to be a seeing-is-believing kind of people by nature. We see that in the days of the Reformation, when the churches of the Reformation and the leaders of the Reformation proclaimed that the way to saving faith was not by what one saw, but by what one heard. The sacraments, from the womb to the tomb, as it were, were viewed as those which were to take primacy in the Christian life and in the production of faith. And what was important then was not believing in the Word as much as it was in making use of the sacrament. And along with that came the introduction of, of morality plays and the use of sculptures and icons in the church in order to evoke a, a religious experience and, and a response, a religious response of sorts. The preaching of the Word was not taking primacy and priority in the churches, and and even in, in its mission to the world. Somehow, and for some reason, it would seem that the idea was that what people wanted and what people needed was what could be seen. The seeing was believing. Not necessarily what could be heard. The importance of the clergy all the way up to the Pope in their elaborate vestments and in viewing the Pope himself as the visible, the visible representation of Christ, the vicar of Christ here on earth, only contributed to that seeing is believing mentality and it still does today. Indeed, people are still swayed by by spectacle today. People are drawn to what they can see. a, A charismatic figure. A flamboyant use of sacraments. Objects, lessons, dramatics, light shows, miracles, tongue-speaking episodes, the use of candles and incense to communicate a kind of mood or sanctity. Performances that we can watch, we can be spectators. Like we were at the movies. Or at home watching television or at some concert. These are the spectacles that are viewed as, as crucial even, to church success. You can take classes now where the use of the arts in worship is taught. So, And it's because it's the spectacle, you see, that many people are finding attractive. And that's nothing new. It provides them a religious experience, a, a, a religious high, a kind of spiritual nirvana. It lights a fire under them, you see. And so, if you're just going to offer the preaching of the gospel first, and then the sacraments second, well, that that seems a bit boring. That seems to be lacking creativity. And and what could create a full-orbed and, and fully-sensed, five-sense religious experience? The preach word appeals to the ear. And in a world where we want our eyes to be the spark of our faith and of our thrill, that that seems to be out of touch. That seems to be out of touch with our world that spends a great deal of its time looking at things. Uh, From iPads to iPhones and laptops to get its information and its entertainment and its thrill from life. It seems like we're technologically passé if all we're doing is, is preaching, but yet, yet we hear that the gospel, the gospel is the power of God to those who believe. And what the world thinks is passé or out of touch or unattractive is what God still uses to bring transformational, revolutionary change to people's lives from death to life, darkness to light. From sandy lives with no salvation or no foundations to solid lives that are founded on the rock, of the gospel in Jesus Christ. What should attract us, you see, is not what man thinks is vogue, but what God considers wise and right and uses to transform us. By nature, we're attracted to what we see. And that really goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, if you think about it. Because the people in the Garden of Eden were not attracted by the word God. They were attracted by what they saw with their eyes. We need to be attracted to what we hear in the proclamation of the gospel. When we think about what our church is about, we ought to be grateful and happy. And this is true whenever you're in a place like this, right? Is that... We ought to be grateful and happy when we know that the church where we're attending is proclaiming the gospel. Is that what's happening? You know, what, what should attract us is, is, is not the, the, the mentality that, that is so prevalent so often. Um, it, it, it's a gospel that our, our neighbors can come and hear uh, because it's a gospel that can change lives. And so we don't want to put our emphasis in our religious needs on what we see, but on what we hear from the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaim. That That's not just a good suggestion. That's not just one way of, of doing church. That's the way that the Lord Himself put the emphasis. Preach the Word. Preach it in season and out of season. What we see in our passage here. Preaching the word is primary, and then the sacraments confirm the word. So you see these you see these beneficial differences that are here, but there's also essential similarities between the word and the sacrament that we can appreciate as well. What makes them essential is what they both seek to proclaim, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ who fulfills the scriptures, the Savior and Lord. That's a very essential element for our Christian faith and walk. We, we recognize, don't we, that Hebrews tells us when we're in the midst of struggle, when we're in the midst of trial, when we're in the midst of being under the Lord's discipline, that we're to keep our eyes on Jesus so we won't lose heart. And that's what both the Word and the Sacrament seek to do. That's how they both provide for us, encouragement, because both of them focus on Christ. And while only the Word produces faith, it along with the sacraments encouraged faith. That encouragement and that focus is what our passage shows is happening in the proclamation of the Word. The apostle is asked to give a word of encouragement after the law and the prophets are read in the synagogue, and that's exactly what he does. What kind of encouragement is given? Where is the Old Testament focus? Where is the focus of encouragement? At the end, the focus is on Christ. What the Old Testament was promising. Jesus Christ fulfilled as Savior, as resurrected King, and that even those who were trying to plot against him were only fulfilling the Scriptures. Here's the Gospel. Here's where you're going to find encouragement in the proclamation of it. And whether it's done in the Old Testament or the New Testament. And that's the focus that you want to hear in your preaching. For your encouragement. Because your encouragement is not going to be found in what you're doing. But in what Jesus has done for you. And what He is doing for you. And what He will be doing for you which is exactly what the sacrament of the Lord's Supper seeks to teach. The good news is not you, but it's for you. When the focus of the good news is not on you, but on Jesus Christ. And that needs to be the case whether we're talking about the proclamation of the gospel or the providing of the sacrament. They're both holy activities, as holy activities that are not to be misunderstood, they're not to be misused, they're not to be minimized in services, or missed with indifference by people who have got better things to do. They're holy activities. But when baptism isn't focused on Christ but on us, we leave the covenant relationship that God has established with us and our children and all the promises with it in Christ behind And we put the focus on us and our abilities and our will. And when the Lord's Supper isn't focused on what Christ has accomplished in full at Golgotha, the focus of the sacrament lands on us to gain our salvation, to get closer to it, but never getting there. Because we're not resting on how Christ gained it for us. We don't want to see those things happen in our churches because we lose out on the gospel that way and encouragement that way because the focus has gone from Christ to us. And that shouldn't be so in worship and that shouldn't be so in our lives. In life and in religion and in worship, we shouldn't want the focus to be on us, but it's easy to do. It's easy to do. It is easy to be a navel gazer. It is easy to look at me and and, and woe is me. And nobody cares about me. It's easy to do, to focus on ourselves. It's easy to do when it comes to our relationship with God, with what I've done, what I felt, what I enjoyed, what I want. It's not why Christ came. And there's no encouragement there. There isn't any good news there. The good news is found apart from ourselves in Jesus That's what both the preaching of the Holy Gospel and the Holy Sacraments proclaim and emphasize. It's what you want to find your church emphasizing. Because whether it is you or others in the church or outside of it, we all need the focus of Jesus Christ if, if we really want good news for our lives and encouragement. And that's exactly what the preaching of the Holy Gospel proclaims. And that's exactly what the Holy Sacraments confirm. And that focus on Jesus needs to be our attraction. So that our lives and our worship isn't going to be focused on ourselves. But it's going to be focused on Christ. And when it is, it's good news for our lives. Amen. We want to take a moment to uh, pray and then we'll get into the celebrating of the Lord's Supper. Our Father, we're reminded here as we are in life how easy it is for us to put our attention on, on our own creativity, our own uh, wants, our own desires, and even uh, to be just completely immersed about ourselves. And we can do that. Church-wise, we can do that individually. But that's not our thats not our calling. We're reminded again here, as is true in life, our attention is not to be spotlighted on ourselves or what we think would, would work or what we think is innovative. But we're supposed to find our focus on Jesus, and that's what the Word does. That's what the sacraments do. That's what our lives should be about, and... Lord, we can be grateful wherever it is that we find a church home. That's what's going on. There can be a lot of other things that that can be secondarily good to have happen in our churches. But if there's no gospel, there's no encouragement, there's no transformation, the holy activities of your church are not happening. So uh, we thank you, Father, for your wisdom as to what it is that can transform lives and encourage us in our walk of life each day. Uh, where we're mindful that Christ is the one who saves, Christ is the one who's king, Christ is to be the focus so that we might not grow weary or lose heart. May we find that to be so, Lord, not only as we hear ministry uh, proclaim, but also as we partake of sacraments. to our encouragement, to your glory, to godly lives, we pray that you would hear us in Jesus' name. Amen.